This podcast is sponsored by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit them online, mslandbank.com. Whether it's farmland, hunting land, or building that dream home, check out Mississippi Land Bank in North Mississippi and online, mslandbank.com. And by Jubilations Cheesecake in West Point. Stop by the coffee house right on Highway 45 on your way to the game, and you can watch cheesecakes being made. And consider Jubilations for your next fundraiser as well. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another daily edition of Dogpile from the Starkville Regional. I am Brett Hudson coming to you around 12.30 a.m. on Saturday after what was a pretty wild Friday here in Starkville. Both games got wonderfully weird. Uh, Central Michigan beat Miami 6-5, and Mississippi State beat Southern 11-6. We've got a lot of content to get to in this episode, but before we do, want to let you know that, as always, our Dogpile episodes are brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank for all of your land needs in North Mississippi. Go to mslandbank.com. They are the ones to help you out. They are the kind of people you want to do business with. And also brought to you by Jubilations Cheesecake in West Point, right on the highway. For those of you that are coming to town for a Saturday night Mississippi State baseball game, stop in, get yourself a coffee, get yourself a slice of cheesecake or whole cheesecake. They're also great for fundraisers if you're in the fundraising game this summer. Jubilations Cheesecake in West Point brings you dog pile. So as I said, wild day here in Starkville. Going to spend a lot of time on state here in a second. But of course, as I mentioned earlier, in case you don't know, Central Michigan won the nightcap. It did finish up pretty late, so maybe you went to bed. They beat Miami 6-5, to five, so it will be Mississippi State against the Chippewas Saturday night after Miami and Southern play each other at noon, one of them seeing their season end in that game. And now we get to Mississippi State, 11-6 to over Southern, where the news of the day was JT Ginn, and not in the way he normally makes news. He normally makes news with excellence on the mound, and today he was making news by having that excellence cut short. He was strong through three innings, only allowed one run. That was a result of a slip and fall and an ensuing bad pickoff throw more than any of the pitches he was throwing. But he tried to warm up for the fourth inning and just couldn't go anymore. I'll let Chris Lamonas explain that situation. You know, he was, um, you know, sore, and then it got in that long inning. He had, uh, it just tightened up on him a little bit. I mean, I thought he was really good for two minutes. We had that really prolonged inning, and it just tightened up on him. And, and you know, could he have thrown? Yeah, you know, like he's telling me he could throw, but you can see it on his face, and, and I just, it just can't be enough. So, um, we'll evaluate and see where he's at. What you don't hear there is a long-term prognosis. Lamonis did say later in the press conference to, frankly, to reiterate the obvious, that Ginn will not pitch again in the regional, but I'm sure there were evaluations on him after the hoopla of the game, and a more precise prognosis for his return will come to light soon enough. It is worth noting that he had a similar soreness issue earlier in the year. You may remember that odd one-inning outing against Tennessee. That was some uh, tricep soreness in his throwing arm, his right arm. But rest was clearly the answer there. He had a 3.65 ERA after that Tennessee start and shaved half a run off of it by the end of the conference schedule. So if that's the case, and this was just a resumption of that issue, it's possible the rest between the regional and a potential super regional is what gets him right. Naturally, it's an entirely different conversation if it's something new. 
the real shame is that this happened on this day when he really had it rolling. Uh, JT Ginn recorded the first seven outs in just 20 pitches, but Ginn was lucky to be supported by strong relief. Jared Liebelt, yes, he ultimately gave up a homer that influenced the game, but man, that three and a third innings that he ate was huge for State, given Ginn's short start and Brandon Smith being thrown into the unenviable situation of having to pitch on impossibly short notice. So a uh, ton of credit, hat tip to, to Jerry Lee Bell for eating up three and a third there. Then Cole Gordon took the final two innings. He got six strikeouts. He now has 59 for the year, and this is really impressive. Last year, he set a career high with 68 strikeouts and 61 in the third innings. This year, he has 59 strikeouts and 36 and two thirds innings. That's upping his strikeouts per nine from 9.9 to 14.4. How about that? Big, big improvement from Cole Gordon in terms of racking up strikeouts. At the plate, Rowdy Jordan had himself a heck of a day, four for five with a homer, his sixth of the season. He bumps his postseason batting average up to 473, nine for 19, now through three SEC tournament games and a regional game, although really it should be four SEC tournament games considering that LSU game went 17 innings. But I want to spend a little time on Jordan Westberg, his slump, it, it was brutal, uh, as everybody listening to this knows. Starting on May 1st through the end of the SEC tournament, he endured an 8-for-57 stretch. That's a 140 batting average. His season number did from 337 to 294, but he comes up big in a big spot in this game, and he delivered. In the bottom of the seventh inning, he comes up with a bases load in a tie game. He delivers a two-RBI single, and Chris Lamonis was really hoping this would be the moment for him. Right before he got the hit, I kind of had Coach Coach on and I said, man, let his hard work pay off. Because um, when you're going through a struggle, uh, a struggle like that, man, poor Westy has been swinging through his hands bleeding almost too much probably. And, um, the, your heart goes out to these kids when they struggle. Early in the year, it was Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen. And it's been somebody all the time. And to see Westy, I put him back in the two-roll again once because he, he's a guy that gets along base a lot. He had a couple walks. He had some good swings. And he has maybe the biggest hit of the game right there. It's well-deserved uh, for all the hard work he's put in. And now I'm getting to the moment that I'm sure many of you tuned into this podcast for, the intentional walk. That's right, Jake Mangum got intentionally walked right before that Westberg single. Much love to all of you that immediately tweeted at me when he got walked, then joined in the yelling when Westberg converted, and Mangum scored later on a wild pitch. And this time, folks, I just couldn't help myself. I asked Jordan Westberg about people intentionally walking Jake Mangum with him sitting on deck. I mean, Jake's the SEC career hits leader. Um, that's why they're going to walk on. And uh, I kind of have, have an idea that part of the game, what's going to happen. Um, just always be ready. If you guys get walked, you have to Just going through my mind is see something soft up, uh, put a good swing on it, and come up big one. I do want to bring up this point before we move on. There was some chatter out there about being in favor of the free pass given Westberg's slump of late, but allow me to counter. Before that A.B., Westberg was an excellent hitter on a slump, right? We went over the slump numbers. We don't need to go over that again. Well, you know what Jake Mangum is right now? He's an excellent hitter on a slump. Since the end of the Ole Miss series, Mangum is four for 38. That's a 105 batting average over that eight-game span. There's just no excuse for this, y'all. You try to find a way to explain it, and the counterfactuals are right there. This is the hill I'm willing to die on. I think y'all know that. 
already. Now let's look ahead, shall we? Central Michigan beats Miami 6-5 in a wonderfully weird game. Miami led 4-0 after three innings. The Hurricanes go yard three times. They chase an excellent starter after three and two-thirds and still lose because this Central Michigan team, they are an energy factory, folks. They're dancing in the dugout. They're acting a fool. They've got a creepy Santa head and a Yoda mask and a rubber chicken and all kinds of nonsense. Here's two Central Michigan players, first right fielder David Cole and first baseman Evan Kratt, before coach Jordan Bischel describing that team attitude. Um, honestly, that's just a big part of our team's culture when it comes to having fun this year. You know, in the past, it hasn't always been the most fun, but, you know, we brought the props and the masks and wigs this year, and it's definitely paid off. We embrace being weird. You know, we've been down in this winning streak a number of times, and I, I think what gives us an opportunity to compete in those games is we're not going to sit here and think the world's ending if something doesn't go. He's got good teams in this tournament. Somebody's going to lose every one of these games. And if you sit here and think about being down and everything that can go wrong and the world's ending, it's going to be tough on you. But if you take a step back to me and just embrace the moment, enjoy being out there, I mean, what an atmosphere. Two good college baseball teams. Just, just enjoy it. Keep playing. And, we play that same game over again, Miami might win that one just as often. I mean, somebody had to lose, somebody had to win, but I think our guys just embrace, let's play together and let's see what happens. The Chippewas have now won 19 in a row and will try to make it 20 with their excellent number two starter, Cam Brown. 15 starts, 2.72 ERA. Not much of a strikeout guy, 78 in 96 innings, but the ace, Pat Leatherman, isn't much of one either. So that's kind of the MO for this group. In the lineup, the table setters did just that for Central Michigan in their Friday win over Miami. Leadoff man Zach Hickey had three hits, and Xavier Warren had two hits and two walks in the two-hole. And We're going to wrap up today's show by seeing just how quick I can recap all of the events of day one of the NCAA baseball tournament. Hopefully you all gained something from this, and I hope you stick around for this because it was a, it was a wild day, 12 three-over-two upsets. And as I started recording, there was a threat of a host going down in its first game. We'll get to that at the end. And here we go. In L.A., UCLA beat Omaha 5-2. Ryan Garcia went 8 and a third with five hits allowed for the Bruins. And Loyola Marymount beat Baylor 3-1. In Nashville, Vandy beat Ohio State 8-2. Drake Fellows went the distance for the doors. Indiana State beat McNeese State 6-5. In Atlanta, Georgia Tech beat Florida A&M 13-2. And Auburn surely playing with heavy hearts after the loss of Rod Bramblett. Beat Coastal Carolina 16-7. Sure would love to see Auburn make a run for that reason. In Athens, it was a launching pad at Georgia today. Georgia beat Mercer 13-3. Aaron Schunk went yard twice. And Florida State hit six homers as they beat FAU 13-7. In Fayetteville, Arkansas beat Central Connecticut 11-5. And TCU, remember that team that wasn't supposed to be in the tournament? Remember that? They beat Cal 13-2 despite only getting two outs from starting pitcher Cal Coughlin. Brandon Williamson and Charles King both took four innings each in relief. In Greenville, weather won the day. The first game between Campbell and NC State was close to an end, but had to be suspended. They're quite behind schedule up there, but luckily that's the only one. That's the only regional site where uh, where weather was a serious issue. In Lubbock, Texas Tech beat Army 11-2. Micah Dallas, how about that name for a Texas Tech starting pitcher? He went seven innings of three-hit ball, and Dallas Baptist beat Florida 11-8. Tommy Mace got hit up, and the bullpen didn't fare much better. Thus, the Gators are on the brink. 
In Oklahoma City, Oklahoma State beat Harvard 2-0. Jensen Elliott and Peyton Battenfield combined for a four-hitter. For the Cowboys and Nebraska beat UConn 8-5. In Louisville, the hosting Cardinals beat UIC 5-3. The Flames committed three errors in that game. You hate to see that. And Illinois State beat Indiana 8-7. Illinois State had 18 hits, and nine of them came from Derek Parola, who had five hits, and Jack Butler, who had four. And Palo Alto, remember, that's the regional paired with the Starkville. Regional Stanford handled Sacramento State 11-0. D.H. Will Mathiason went yard for the 12th time this season. And Fresno State downed UC Santa Barbara 9-2, or at least that was a score when I started recording. It was in the top of the ninth. I hope it was 9-2. They just pummeled that gaucho pitching, so that'll be quite the battle of bats when Fresno State meets Stanford. In Oxford, Ole Miss beat Jacksonville State 16-2, and Clemson beat Illinois 8-4. On a strange pitching configuration, the starter went two and a third, and the reliever, Davis Sharp, handled six and two-thirds to end it in Baton Rouge. The two games there were decided by a combined score of 32-6, to six, LSU 17-3 over Stony Brook, and Southern Miss 15-3 over Arizona State. In Chapel Hill, North Carolina had to score two in the ninth to eke one out over UNC Wilmington, 7-6. And Liberty beat Tennessee 6-1. The Vols committed three errors in that game. In Morgantown, West Virginia beat Fordham 6-2. And Duke beat Texas A&M 8-5. And in Corvallis, Michigan beat Creighton 6-0. And as I started recording this, the host Oregon State was in a 6-6 tie with Cincinnati going into the ninth inning. So some intrigue in the Pacific Northwest as, frankly, I was trying to get to bed. For those of you keeping track of the SEC, they went 7-3 and three today. The winners were Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, LSU, Georgia, and Auburn. The losers were Texas A&M, Florida, and Tennessee. Hope you all enjoyed the, the first, well, not technically the first. We've, we've done a couple of podcasts in a daily format here, but hope you enjoyed the first game themed daily podcast from the Starkville Regional. As I stand in the parking lot of Duty Noble Field, I've got the, the laptop propped up, propped up on, the, on the hood of my car and everything as I record this thing, wrapping up around 12.45 a.m. on Saturday. Pre- appreciate y'all for listening. Hope y'all will continue to support us and support our sponsors. We're going to have plenty of content coming for the rest of the Starkville Regional. So throw us a subscribe in iTunes or your podcast platform of choice if you haven't already. We got a lot more coming from you here from the Starkville Regional. Appreciate y'all listening, and we'll talk to you pretty soon.